on episode 483 of Nintendo Switchcraft Ego Protocol First Impressions Shovel Knight News and Zelda on VHS. What is that? Those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Hi, this is Ralph, and you're listening to Bill, Mr. Forgetful himself, getting distracted by shiny things on Nintendo Switchcraft. Switchcraft it is brought to you live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can tune in live over at twitch.tv slash run jump stomp. Don't forget that on Saturdays I record an ep- record. I record an episode all about the stuff that you want me to talk about. If you have ideas for the show, things that I did not hit this week, or just comments in general, use the hashtag AskRJS on Twitter. Uh, ask RJS, A-S-K-R-J-S, or join our Discord. Over, I think it's 1,200 people are there now. Uh, over at uh, runjumpstomp.com slash Discord. And there's a channel there called Ask RJS where you can leave messages that might be on the show. This episode of Switchcraft is made possible by patrons like Otterscotch. Get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Hey, this is Michael Stefano from Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and you're listening to Nintendo Switchcraft. I didn't mean to hit that button, but I hit that button anyway, so take that. Uh, let's start the episode off by talking about Ego Protocol. It is a game... Well, okay, so the developers sent me an email. They were like, would you check out this game? And I looked at it, and I was like, well, it looks pretty simple, but I'll, I'll check it out and see what what it is. And I'm glad that I did. When I first, st- I have to say that overall, I think the presentation of this game is very weak. Like it did, it does not jump out to me as super interesting when you just look at a screenshot of it. In fact, screenshots make this game look very, very dull. However, once you do the tutorial and you start doing a couple of levels, and there's going to be a YouTube video in the near future showing this stuff off. Once you do that, I think that what you will understand is that this is a a very unique puzzle game, and it's got some very cool elements. So the basics of Ego Protocol, uh, Protocol Remastered, is you are trying to get a robot to move from point A to point B. And that's that's the whole point of the game. You don't really control the robot directly. What instead you control is the board that he's on. And as you're playing this, um, do you, I want you to think for a second to when you were a kid. If you're old like me, then you probably used these a lot when you were a kid. They had these little plastic puzzles and the way that these puzzles worked was they were there was a grid usually of a certain number of plastic squares and you could slide those squares around because there was always one uh, slot that was blank and they would get all shuffled up and you had to put them in order from 1 to 15 or whatever and it was always like I always really liked playing with those puzzles when I was a kid of course you know I didn't have 
super awesome portable video games to distract me like on the Nintendo Switch. But I had a lot of fun with those plastic puzzles. And that's how you control the robot in Ego Protocol is you move the world around. The world is basically on a grid and it's broken into rows and columns and you can slide the rows and columns around in order to make the path for the robot to travel through. Now, when you are trying to do this, you are timed. So for instance, maybe uh, I think like on the first or second level, you have 30 seconds to get the robot from A to B. And that 30 seconds doesn't start until you tell the robot to start moving. So you can, you know, move around all of the pieces, sliding them up and down and trying to figure out which is the best plan of attack. And then you hit play and the the robot will start moving and then you have to start reacting. You have to start moving things around. You cannot move a tile if the robot is on it. Does that make sense? I hope. Uh, So you can't move the tile if the robot is on it. The robot is moving. You start sliding the tiles up and down or left and right. You can also hit the pause button, which will, it won't pause the time, but it will stop the robot from moving so that you can change something and then you can start them up again. Also on certain tiles, the robot will have the ability to pick up a gun and shoot the gun at somebody who's in front of him or they can jump over like a little gap. Um, There are items that you can pick up as you are trying to get to the exit that if you can pick them up, they will give you a bonus score, but if you fail to pick them up, you can still finish the level. Overall, I feel like I'm I'm very, very early on in the game, but once I once I went through the whole tutorial and I saw what it was, I was like, this is a, a, an incredibly unique game. Fisto in chat is asking if it is like Gyromite, and I wouldn't say that it's like Gyromite. Yes, in Gyromite, um, you know, the, the, the doctor guy, Hector, I think is his name, um, he just moved on his own, and you had to control, you know, the, the columns, moving them up and down, but it's really more about uh, solving the puzzle in your head ahead of time and then trying to execute it as you go. Uh, so a little bit different than Gyromite, but I understand the comparison that you're making. Overall, I think the Ego Protocol is very interesting and I'm looking forward to playing more of it. It seems like the perfect kind of game for your phone or your iPad. On the Switch, it also works really well because the Switch is portable. And I, you know what? I haven't looked for it yet. While I'm talking, I'm going to load up the app store on my phone and see if this is a game that is on, um, on iOS or Android. Uh, and I'm typing in ego pro and it's not coming up. So maybe it is not a game that was on iOS or Android. I feel like that would be the perfect way to play that game. But if you want to play it on switch, then there you go. Ego protocol is very, very interesting, and I'm going to bring up Nintendo's site right now and find out how much Ego Protocol is, if I can type that correctly. Uh, again, it is remastered, so I think at some point it was originally on Steam or something like that. And the game is $4.99. Now, it has 60 levels, uh, 10 levels per world, 
and you have to figure out how to uh, uh, arrange those rows and columns in a, in such a way to solve the puzzle. And it looks like, uh, it, you know, as you progress, things get, uh, the, the difficulty ramps up quite a bit. Um, I had trouble on the second level. Just I was trying to figure figure out exactly what I was supposed to do. But when I was doing that second level, I like I had to think outside the box in order to figure it out. Because when you're playing, again, you can't move the tile that the robot is on. So that severely limits what you can do. And that means you have to have a plan ahead of time. It's very, very cool. And uh, I enjoyed it. So I wanted to tell people about that. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight, you guys have been listening to my show for a while. You know that Shovel Knight is one of my f- most favorite games of all time. I adore Shovel Knight. It's a wonderful, wonderful game. Well, it is apparently going to be getting a direct sequel eventually. Now, when I say that, people are like, well, what do you mean? We've We've got Shovel Knight Dig coming. We've got Shovel Knight Pocket Shuffle. Is that what the name of it is? Pocket Dungeon, not Pocket Shuffle. Uh, so Shovel Knight. Then we've got um, we just had the King of Cards come out, which is essentially still part of Shovel Knight. Uh, then we've got Pocket Dungeon coming. We've got Shovel Knight Dig coming. What do you mean we're eventually going to get a sequel? Don't we already have a bunch of sequels? No, not really. Um, all of the stuff that we've gotten so far from Shovel Knight has been stuff that has been part of the original Shovel Knight. It's just been DLC, basically. Uh, and the the games that we know that are coming, like Pocket Dungeon, like Dig, they are games that are taking the, uh, I guess I would say the original, the original idea of Shovel Knight and changing it in some way to make it slightly different. So it's not exactly the same thing that it was before. It's it's a different experience. Yes, it is still Shovel Knight, but it's not anything like the original Shovel Knight. It's very, very different. Both Dig turns the side-scrolling game into a vertically scrolling game. And then uh, the, the Shovel Knight um, Pocket Dungeon turns it into a, uh, a falling block puzzler. And right now I'm getting raided by Bog Otter, uh, who is one of my favorite, you know, I'm, I'm recording a podcast right now, so I'll definitely, uh, say hello to everybody afterwards, but I want to say, um, Bog Otter is one of my favorite, uh, streamers on Twitch. So go to twitch.tv slash Bog Otter and follow him over on Twitch. He's awesome. A huge fan of him. And, uh, he's one of the reasons that my podcast has been as successful as it has been. And he's one of the people that I still have yet to get on 143 pixels. And uh, damn it, Bog Otter, we're waiting for you, man. Uh, We'll talk. We'll talk. All right. So uh, the reason we're talking about Shovel Knight Pocket uh, Dungeon and uh, Shovel Knight Dig is because they said that we will eventually get a direct sequel to the original Shovel Knight. This actually surprises me. The reason this surprises me so much is because I, I, you would think after working on Shovel Knight for so very, very long that they, you know, now they're working on Dig and then they're working on Pocket Dungeon. You would think that they would want to move on to a different kind of game. But, 
you know, it looks like that they're going to eventually come back to the original. This is from uh, a Dual Shockers interview with Sandy Gordon, who is a Yacht Club's game artist. And they basically said, hey, look, uh, that's going to happen at some point. It's something we talk about a lot, having a direct sequel to Shovel Knight. And I think that that's awesome because, like I said, it's one of my favorite games of all time. So if you haven't picked up Shovel Knight yet, then I don't know what you're doing. I've talked about it on this show a million times. And if you haven't picked it up yet, then clearly you don't, you, you just, you just must, I don't know what your problem is. You must hate shovels or something. Let's move on and talk really quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Animal Crossing uh, World Blog uh, posted this uh, ad on Twitter of uh, these four Japanese women who are all playing Animal Crossing. And one of the things in the the video that they showed off is that one of the people is a one of the people who are in this commercial is a very good artist. And she happens to be at um, at at track practice or whatever. And she sees her friend running really fast and she decides to turn that into a pixel art. Uh, in Animal Crossing, and then they get to see that pixel art uh, in the game later. And it shows off the uh, the custom pattern editor that we're going to have access to in Animal Crossing. And I have to say, it looks really, really good. Like, it gives you a lot of options. And it looks like you can build your uh, art in that game and then like place it on the ground and then place a bunch of them next to each other to build an even bigger picture because at first they show off uh, the the woman building the picture of her friend and then near the end they show the you know her friend picking up her game and she opens it up on her Nintendo Switch uh, light and she sees the drawing of her like surrounded by lights on the ground. And it just show, goes to show how customizable the, the your world is going to be in Animal Crossing. And if you've never played an Animal Crossing game, I think that you are going to be in for a treat. It is the most relaxing game that you can ever consider playing. It is just so laid back and chill. You definitely are going to have fun with Animal Crossing. At least I I can't wait to play it. I'm going to be streaming some of it on my Twitch channel. I don't know it's it, how regular it's going to be, um, but I'm definitely going to be streaming some of this on my Twitch channel. And Res TV and chat points something out very, very important. Uh, it shows the transparency. Uh, and what I mean is, there. have you ever looked at a picture... Uh, uh, on the internet and it's like a person standing there and then you you try and open up that picture and then there's a background behind them well in this they give you the option to leave the background as transparent so this drawing that they did of uh, this girl running has transparency in the background which means that you can do really really crazy things with customization it also means that uh, there are guaranteed <laughs> this is a very powerful image editor guaranteed there are going to be people 
who are drawing things that Nintendo does not want drawn in Animal Crossing. You know what I mean? I think you know what I mean. You have to know what I mean. Uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, I think this looks really good, and I, I like that. I really liked, like, I, I, when I was watching the video, I was like, okay, yeah, skip to the end. And then when I got to the end, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I love how they were able to draw a picture of her friend and put it in the world that they are playing together. That's just, just absolutely rad. I think that's so very, very cool. Let's take a, a quick break. We're going to hear from a sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk about some uh, wonderful 101 Switch gameplay footage. All right? Stick around, everyone. Hey, man, get portable. Get a Game Gear Supersonic Sports Pack, a color portable Game Gear, carrying case, and two hit games, Sonic 2 and the Majors Pro Baseball. Whoa, even save 50 bucks. The Game Gear Supersonic Sports Pack. You know who makes it. Coffee? Tea? If you're anything like me, then when your new favorite game comes out, you're playing it right up until bedtime. I want to talk to you about blue light. Blue light is the shortest wavelength in the visible light spectrum. Our body uses blue light to regulate our natural sleep and wake cycles. Prolonged exposure to artificial blue light can be harmful to our eyes and our sleep. Bottom line, Launch blue light blocking screen protectors for Nintendo Switch and other electronics. Help reduce the negative effects of blue light and increase your visual comfort when gaming on your Switch. I already had a tempered glass screen protector on my Nintendo Switch. Launch sent me theirs. I took the old one off and I put the new one on. The launch screen protector was the easiest one to install. I didn't have any bubbles and at the end of the day, it looks great. One thing I was worried about with blue light blocking glass is would it change the perceived color that I would see when looking at my switch in portable mode? And I'm here to tell you, I was worried for nothing. The screen looks great. So if you're looking for a tempered glass screen protector with the added bonus that it blocks blue light, then head on over to launchprotect.com and use the coupon code BILL for 15% off. That's launchprotect.com, coupon code BILL for 15% off. All right, we are back. And the Wonderful 101 is a game. I, I, there was a lot of people who were very excited when that game was announced as coming to the Nintendo Switch. You know, it was kickstarted. They raised a hell of a lot of money very, very quickly. People are very, very excited for the wonderful 101. It's coming to the Switch. It's also coming to other consoles as well, which is very interesting because Nintendo actually owns the intellectual property and they said, Platinum Games, go ahead and do your thing. I think that's great because that means... A, more people get to play this game, which I know that there's a lot of people who have not because it was on the Wii U, and the Wii U was famously a very poorly, uh, a very poor selling console. Um, so Wonderful 101 is going to be on all the all of these other platforms, but we finally have gotten some footage of finally. I mean, it's not like we've been waiting very long to see what it's going to look like on the Nintendo Switch, but now we have seen what it's going to look like on the Nintendo Switch. This comes to us via GameSpot Gameplay, uh, their YouTube channel, and they're basically showing off what is the game looking like on the Nintendo Switch. And, you know, when I watch it, I'm like, I kind of wish that they showed a side-by-side 
of what the game would look like on the Wii U right next to the Switch version. Because to me, it doesn't look all that different. Not that that's a bad thing. It's it's tough for them to really go nuts with uh, the graphics on the Switch because this is a game with literally... 101 characters on the screen at once and you know they all look different they are not all just skins of the same thing they all have their own look and it's very very weird basically you draw uh on the wii u you would draw on the screen or you could draw with the controller stick and you would draw with the controller stick like a circle and that would make a fist uh, it would make a fist out of the characters that you were hanging out with. The characters, like the 101 characters that are on the screen, some of them would turn into a fist. If you drew a line, they would turn into a sword. If you drew like an L shape, they would turn into a gun. And then you could use them to attack these big things that were on the screen. It was a very, very weird game with, I, I almost feel like this in induces uh adhd because there's so much happening on screen at once now i have to say that having played this game on the wii u i remember thinking that it it always worked much better when you drew on the screen than when you tried to draw with the controller with by by using the sticks And that's not a huge surprise. I mean, it's hard to manipulate sticks with your thumbs in order to draw a picture. And even in this gameplay, there's a a QTE moment where they're jumping up through the sky and they're trying to fight or or grab an object that is falling from the sky. And in order to grab that object, they have to draw a circle with the stick And in this video, it showed that they were struggling to draw that circle with the stick in order to make the hand so that they could grab the object falling out of the sky. If you want to know more about what the Wonderful 101 looks like, there are 15 minutes of Switch gameplay that was recorded at PAX East 2020, which, by the way, is going on right now. Uh, but if you want to check that out, make sure that you check out the show notes over at runjumpstomp.com. Uh, and this is episode 483. So you can find those that video uh, right there. Now, speaking of video, I saw this, this, this video right before the, uh, right before I started recording. And when I, 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 I'm definitely going to watch this later on today, but it is basically somebody has found some beta footage of Ocarina of Time on a VHS, which is really like, that is incredibly interesting to me. I can't wait to see it. This is from um, <laughs> a YouTube channel called Hard for Games, and they found this old blockbuster video um vhs tape and it says here that they they did rip it from uh psxbrazil.com.br and they they ripped this video so that we could see what kind of stuff was in the beta of ocarina of time now if you are a, a 
if, if you if you are a fan of Zelda games, then good God, you know you know this is one of the best Zelda games of all time. In fact, for me, up until Breath of the Wild came out, this was the best Zelda game ever. I adored this game. I have very, very happy memories of, you know, I was an adult. My brother was an adult and, you know, his wife had had gone to, I think she had gone to Toronto with one of her friends to go watch um, the Phantom of the Opera. And my brother and I sat there um, fighting the final battle in this game, passing the controller back and forth. And I remember when when she got when when his wife got home, he and I had just defeated the last boss and had f- just finished the game, and the credits were rolling, and we were celebrating, um, as adults do with a beverage. We were very very excited, and it's a it was a really really great memory. And uh, Jay Harley seventeen is saying uh, that water temple though. Uh, Pinky Fluff in chat is saying uh, Ocarina of Time is still my favorite. And uh, for a lot of people, it still is. Uh, I still think Breath of the Wild is a, it's a much, it, it's a, for me, it's a more exciting experience to play that game. But there's something very, very special about Ocarina of Time. And I can't wait to watch this footage and see exactly what was different about the game. Because there's a lot of stuff that we have never seen before. Speaking of stuff we had never seen before, and I didn't add this to the show notes, but earlier today I did see something about somebody had found some tapes that have some 64DD stuff written on them, and I'm going to try and find that and put it in the show notes. I forgot about that until just now. Uh, I'm going to look for that, and if somebody in chat finds that and drops it in the uh, into uh, the Twitch chat here, then I'll be able to uh, I'll be able to talk about it uh, right away. All right, um, one uh, two quick things before we get out of here. Number one, Killer Queen Black. If you haven't played Killer Queen Black, it's a great game. It is now nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That is its new permanent price on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, this is not a sale price. This is now its permanent price. Now, when I bring up the website on on my screen. It says Killer Queen Black costs $19.99. And uh, first off, what, what is Killer Queen Black? Well, it's this four-player uh, versus four-player uh, battle game where there are multiple ways for you to win. One of the ways that you can win is by riding a snail across the... Um, uh, across the map to the enemy gate. Another way that you can win is by killing the enemy queen, or you can also uh, capture the most berries in order to win. And it's a 2D game. It's extremely uh, interesting the way that it works. You start out with workers. The workers ca- carry berries or ride on the snail. The workers can carry a berry and get into like a thing which will turn them into a soldier who can then fly around. And one of the characters on your team is the queen who is extremely powerful and uh, uh, you have to defend her at all costs. So there's a lot of different ways to win. Uh, Three paths to victory, as they say. And again, it's an extremely fun game. Uh, If you haven't played it, then it was already worth every penny at 1999 
but now it is apparently $9.99. And I, I loaded this up in a guest window on my Chrome browser because I own the game, I think. It says that it's $19.99, but I loaded this as a guest browser and it said $9.99. And if you go to Deku Deals, it says $9.99. So the, the game is 10 bucks. And it is an awesome game. It's cross-platform, so if you're playing on PC, you can play with people on Switch, which means it's very, very fast to get uh, a match. And it's an awesome game. And you need to check it out if you haven't already, especially if you're looking for something fun and co-op. You're really, really going to enjoy uh, Killer Queen Black. And uh, it, I almost said it's on sale. It is not on sale. It is now just cheaper. All right. One last thing before we wrap up. And that is that 11-Bit Studios decided to put a Metacritic rating on their thumbnails in the eShop in order to bypass the fact that Nintendo doesn't have a rating system on the eShop. So it's really weird because when the Switch first came out, Nintendo gave us a way to rate the games. They never surfaced the information for that, but it, but but when the first when the Switch first came out, they let us say, oh, this is a five-star game, this is a one-star game, this is a four-star game, etc. We were able to say how much we liked the games. And then they it, it lasted for, I think it was like two weeks or something, really, really quick. And then they said, uh, we're going to stop doing that. And they didn't really tell us why. And then they never brought it back. And it's one of the... This is a very important thing because the, the, the eShop has... Good God, so very many games are on the eShop. It's it's kind of nuts how many games are on the eShop. And it's kind of hard to find the diamond in the rough, if you know what I mean. It's hard to separate out the gems from the cruft. There's so much kind of garbage out there that there's no way for us to see. And I think that... Uh, I think that, uh, what was it, 11-bit games? Yeah, 11-bit studios. I think that they have stumbled, not stumbled onto, but they have figured out a way around it by simply including their Metacritic score on their thumbnail in the eShop. And I think that they are going to start a trend where a lot of studios are going to do that because then, well, studios that have a good rating, all right, now, you've probably heard me complain before about the about Metacritic in the fact that I don't like the idea of giving numbers to games. I don't I don't differentiate between an 83 and an 80 uh, as far as a score. I just say I like the game or I don't like the game. That's that's how I like to do it. Um, if if I if I post a game, or I'm sorry, if I review a game and I give it a score, then people don't care about anything that I had to say about that game except for the number. And that takes a lot of the, not the power of the review, a lot of the the nuance of the review out of the game. And I don't like that. So while I understand that Metacritic is... Uh, clearly a thing in the gaming industry that people use in order to decide if a game is worth their time or not. I don't like the idea because as Vaxer in chat says, the number means nothing. However, I start I, what I, what I'm starting to, what I worry about is that if uh, if a company doesn't include their Metacritic rating, 
then maybe that game, like people will look at that and say, oh, that game's bad. Well, maybe they just decided not to include their Metacritic rating. Maybe it didn't occur to them to include their Metacritic rating. And I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Um, It'd be better if Nintendo would just give us a way to rate the games. You know what, Nintendo? Are you listening? Probably not. All right. Become a part of the community over at runjumpstomp.com slash discord. Uh, Make sure that if you have things that you want me to talk about, let me know what you think of Metacritic. I'll talk about it tomorrow on the show. Uh, Use the hashtag AskRJS, A-S-K-R-J-S on Twitter. This show is part of of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, check out gstu.net. And if you are looking to support the show, go over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. If you didn't know, I also host a bunch of other podcasts, 143 Pixels, Stadia Cast, Run Jump Stomp, and Nintendo Switchcraft. You can find them wherever podcasts are downloaded, probably on whatever you're listening to right now. Just pause it. Go to actually just leave it playing. Go to the uh the 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 podcast app that you're listening to and search for those things. All right. I, I hope to see you guys on the next one and I hope you'll listen to the other shows. The music you're hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, stay awesome. <laughs>